Welcome back to Mox Madness. Yeah, we are doing it again. Doing back in the again. saddle. It's been, guys, it's never a break back for you because we, we will never not. Again. No, not, no, no. But we, we will never leave you without an episode on Wednesday. But gosh darn it, we we did a we did a sleepy time current events episode that came out a couple. Yeah. Uh, we a were couple, so tired. We were so dead that day. It was bad. Um, and then we just didn't record last week. So this is like the first time. So like we got to dust the cobwebs off. We got to get got to stretch. Yeah. Gotta, mm, lean into it. And so to stretch and lean into it, we're going to start with two two easy things that we can lean into. Hi, this is Mark's Madness. We uh, we read books every once in a while. We talk okay. about current events. We do things. Yes. We do stuff. You know what you know yeah. what you're here for. Um, this is not your first episode. Uh, if you, uh, if you have listened to episode 41 of Black Reconstruction in America, aka my favorite episode that we've ever recorded ever in the history of ever. Uh, Abracadabra forever Abracadabra and ever. Abracadabra forever Amen. and ever. Amen. It's going on the pat, it's going on the t-shirts, it's going on the stickers, it's going on the buttons. I'm joking. We don't have any of that yet. If we do, it will be for zero profit ever if anyone just wants I that have- on a shirt. I have no tattoos on my body because I've never had anything go, you know, no. yay, this needs a tattoo. Get one. Might be abracadabra forever. Abracadabra forever and ever. Amen. That that literally may be worth it because even when they start rounding us all up, they're never going to know what the fuck that means. Uh, <laughs> we're, it's, it's pure. It's pure, unscrutable nonsense talk, um, <laughs> as is the tradition with anyone in the South. Um, that being said. We do have one correction that came out of that episode, um, which hopefully none of you are, are heartbroken about, but here it is. Um, when we did listen to the house chaplain, we made some assumptions, I believe. Um, two yeah. assumptions that need to be corrected. The first assumption is, uh, that we, David, in an attempt to defend his Catholicism, uh, attempted to paint this man as a Baptist man going on a long dinner rant. Uh, turns out the man's a Jesuit priest. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I did not attempt to paint him that. It reminded me of that because that's what it sounded uh-huh. like. It, it trust me, uh-huh. as someone who's grown up his whole life Catholic with a lot of Catholic family and some Southern Baptist ex step family. I'd gotten both worlds, and that rang Southern Baptist. But definitely, the man is definitely Jesuit. Jesuit priest. Uh, so that's correction number one. Number two, it was not, in fact. Uh, right after the impeachment proceedings. It was, in fact, after the House voted to condemn Donald Trump's uh, send them back tweet as racist. Um, so, again, equally bad, equally bad. But just uh, for, for factual clarity, these are the things that needed to be cleared up. Yeah. Now that we've taken care of yes. that, we're going to launch into... Uh, the, what I'm calling fascist watch 2024, um, because I'd like to call my shot here a little bit as we have been doing. And, uh, who's everyone's favorite fascist? Well, it's Josh Hawley, ladies and gentlemen. And what has that little devious bastard been up to? Well, it's teaming up with the left's favorite Bernie Sanders to try and come across as the, uh, the impassioned voice of the people for getting us stimulus checks. Um, oh, no. You know, those $600 stimulus checks were coming on. So, David, did you see this? <laughs> I did not see this. I did not see okay. this at all. So, Josh Hall- Now, I will say so this. I will say this. Yeah. These, these quote-unquote, outsider Republicans or whatever from Trump on down, right? They, they all took some, like, better marketing training than any of the fucking Democrats. Um, oh, for sure, for this, sure, for this sure. This sounds familiar. Like, when, when all of the Republicans were opposed to any kind of stimulus check and Democrats – Actually, we're the ones that push. Now, Nancy Pelosi pushed it down to 1200 <laughs> herself because that's always the right. Like, well, we, we wish we could do better, but the Republicans always force us down. And like you like hear about the actual talks and it was behind closed doors. Nancy Pelosi rated ranted that we got to, you know, stop doing so much money. Um, but even though they talked themselves down to 1200, they pushed through the, the $1,200. That was all Dems. It was like it was shit. Right, but it's yeah, about it's as close to useful as American politicians get, and it's something they could have certainly taken credit for. And said so they didn't do shit. And then you had Trump signing the checks, signing his name on the checks as a marketing scheme, and a bunch of Trump mm-hmm. supporters going, "Thank you, Trump," when he wanted to veto that shit. I mean, they were called Trump bucks. I mean, they marketed yeah. it perfectly. They marketed um, it amazingly. So Holly doing the same thing does not surprise me. But I missed this. 
but yeah, so this was, it, and it came out last at the beginning of the week before. So obviously tomorrow, we're recording this on Thursday the 17th. Tomorrow's yeah. Friday, which is the quote unquote deadline for them to get this done by. Otherwise they risk government shutdown. Uh, yeah. Bernie Sanders got up and said that he would, he doesn't normally do this, but he would shut down the government. He would be the stopgap. He would say, no, no, no further line in the sand. If yeah. they did not get COVID relief passed, that included stimulus checks to Americans. Fine. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and that's that, good. That I is, mean, I hate, I hate even the term shutting down the government because, you know, the military still works. It's like, uh, yeah, fucking people out of work, but it's, it's, it's a hardlining, um, thing to, to say, Hey, you know, it's a negotiation tactic. And it's yeah. a negotiation tactic that, again, the Republicans will use at every turn when they want to get something done. And the Democrats yeah, always pretend like it's set, like it's verboten and that they should never put these kind of things on the table, which is the reason that Democrats get kicked around and punted around and, yeah. and are basically a worthless party. Um, yeah. So Bernie Sanders gets up and says that. Now, the trick is, is that he was supported and joined by Josh Hawley, uh. saying that he would do it from the other side. Now, David, what's a thing that we know that fascists will absolutely do every single time in order to gain power? They will. The thing that they will do is they will co-opt to be the left, the so the co-op leftist language and leftist mm-hmm. causes, and then they'll tell you that the actual villain is uh, whoever they want to demonize. You know. Jews, black people, disabled people, Nancy Democrats, Pelosi. whatever the fuck. Yeah, exactly. Nancy Pelosi. Josh, so Josh Hawley now is doing the thing. So again, is is joining with Bernie Sanders, the radical leftist part, to do to, yeah. to try and get to do a leftist so economic thing, to give a social service sort of thing, to try mm-hmm. and give physically give people money, which we know is a popular thing. If yes. you give people and I money, guarantee you, they I guarantee like you, you more. If the Republicans did it, they'd do something to undercut it, like, you know, redline it harder or take it out of something else next year or something like that. Sure, I mean, that these, doesn't whenever, hurt Josh co Yeah, whenever they co-op leftist um, policies, unless they're doing it like to only military veterans as a military incentive, because that's a that's an age old fascist tactic. Right. That that's that's something that Mussolini pushed. He had, you know, an expansive welfare state, but only for people who served in the military. That's, mm-hmm. you know. So they'll do that. So there's always there's always like a stab in the back when they do that. Um, and that's when they even carry it out when they're not just stealing the language. But that's normal for them, right? To, to steal the language, to pretend they're on your side to, you know, I, it, I mean, look how Donald Trump did it, right? You know, I mean, we have a, a lying mass media. And mm-hmm. then he goes out there and it's and obviously they're going to favor Democrats more than Republicans. But there's also plenty of Republican favoring medias like Fox News and stuff, and they're all lying bastards for the American cause with the corporations. He's not going to say it like that. He's going to say, you know, the media is telling you lies, um, and and steal. Only I tell you the truth. Yeah, only yeah, steal leftist language and turn it into this kind of like abusive, like only I tell you the truth. That way, that he can tell you that it's not you know the corporate interests that are the problem it's not capitalism that's the problem it's george soros and the dirty democrat money you know and stuff like that right and so well and we both we both are and this is not unique this is not something we came to it's, it's pretty widely stated at this point josh holly's running for president in 2024 that's a thing we both acknowledge that that's a real thing he's been he's it's been running for president but it's yeah, he's been running for president for the last eight years. Everything yeah. he's done, his whole trajectory has been he is the Pete Buttigieg equivalent on the right of he has been do every single thing he does has been calibrated towards I run for president when it is my turn. And absolutely. right now, 2024 is his turn. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. So and, when you're and, going to present yourself to your base and to uh, yeah. uh, the American re- voting public at large, Bernie Sanders won't be a relevant factor in 2024. That's just not going to no. be a thing. He's 112 years old. Yeah. He's lost twice. It's over. That that idea yeah. is gone. So the yeah. only person that would be able to stand up and say, during the depths of the COVID, when no one was willing to get stuff done, I was willing to stand mm. up and fight for you and, and try and make sure that we got you money and all this, that, and the other, is going to be Josh Hawley. Um, yeah. And if that's not, I mean, if well, you can't see that path, I, I just want to see, look, see that path. It's right there. Yeah, I mean, Josh Hawley is a raging fundamentalist lawyer that carries the torch for the the pro-life movement and and all of that. And yet he made his big name on the scene prosecuting Greitens as if he was like the torch carrier for me, too. You know, I mean, this is 
and as it, uh, he's fighting he's, out, cor- he's, he's rooting out corruption even in his own party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, everything all that, he, he does is so calibrated towards I'm, and and this is what it is. Because Donald Trump ran outside the Republican Party. That's a good yeah. strategy. You don't want to be a part of the Republican Party. You want to be a populist and you want to be a fascist. And Holly is positioning himself at every single turn that he'll fight his own party and that he'll stand up for the people and yada, 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 which again, yeah. Nothing in his actual record supports that. He just takes very calculated no. moves when he's forced to and when he knows it is politically expedient. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, and one so thing that, you noticed, ugh. again, the biggest fans of Donald Trump this time around, you had like Republicans split on him the first time. And like oh, this yeah. time around, even though he, he wound up losing the vote, he was like, like Republican voted for Trump. Like they figured, oh, yeah. oh he's just another fucking Republican that, that passes all our policies. He is. <laughs> he is this racist shithead. We love that. And, but he still appealed um, to his own base. He still appealed to his own base that doesn't trust. He, so all the yeah. Republicans got in line because they knew they could trust him to do exactly what they want yeah. to do. And he still got this upsurge of angry, yeah. virulent, outside the mm-hmm. Republican Party, hardcore, racist, all of that kind of thing yep. to still stay for him as his base. And yeah, he will and be able Holly to hand that baton now... to Holly so easy. Oh, yeah. He, he'll be able to pass that torch very easily. Holly is a much more savvy capable version of trump um and on top of that without you know looking back at like trying to win re-election mid-covid right because that's i mean <laughs> let's face it if it wasn't for covid the dem probably would have lost this election they they oh, tried to lose sure. this fuck they fucking election stopped. and they so everything stopped. and now imagine now imagine covid ends because we actually get a vaccine and stuff like that and and so you get better Trump for that raffle stomping without the COVID. That's that's what Holly's going to be. It's terrifying. We have running to, up against. He's going to be running people. Yeah. And to be clear, he's going to be running against four years Biden. of austerity because that's what's coming. Yeah. We're about to get we're about yeah. to get Biden and Democratic led austerity for four years to make up mm-hmm. for the pittance that they gave us during this. Because the fact that the just because we got a pittance doesn't mean the Fed hasn't been buying one point five trillion dollars worth of bonds every single month um they're mm-hmm. they're completely such so they're gonna have to do austerity for their own for 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 their own weird machinations to keep this shit in line and it's absolutely gonna yeah, hit the so much class. as they buy into this debt shit and so much as they yeah. they they feel oh, the republicans will buy into the debt people. shit as soon as they're not in charge they always do oh sure absolutely and democrats just genuinely buy into it exactly. uh, because again it, i mean i'm not sure they genuinely again I'm not sure so much the Democrats are incapable as they're liars about what they're about and, yeah. and they, they write on reputation, but that they'll, they'll play their obsession with it. They, they genuinely exactly. want to use that tactic, whether they're in the office, in office or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's going to be, so it's, you're going to yeah. run that. You're going to run the competent fascist into four years of austerity. And this is the man that wanted to give you things. This is the man that fought to give yeah. you money, not take money away from you. Yeah, it's yeah. Playbook is written. It's right there. It's so easy. Mm-hmm. So, so be educate ready for people that, more importantly on this. Yeah, be ready for that. Educate the people around you. More importantly than on electoral politics, um, agitate um, with the issues that they face every day. I mean, this is yes. this is a key opportunity for agitation. And what people don't understand the difference between agitation and organizing and political education right organizing is organizing actions around a cause um and it can be organizing like a party to be the vanguard party for a revolution or it could be organizing for agitation it could be like a more universal thing whereas agitation is specifically like you know we have these people getting evicted. We're going to fight to make sure they're not evicted mm-hmm. or, you know, your boss doesn't want to get you a raise. We're going to, you know, unionize and get you a raise, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. specifically the causes in front of you. It's a portion yeah. of organizing. And this is a ripe opportunity for agitation and for sure. agitation is a ripe opportunity for education. That's the, the whole point of it, right? It's, it's small movements to, to make improvements in the lives of the people you care about because it's the whole point of the revolution anyway, and then leapfrogging that into the bigger project of revolution. Um, and as long as you have revolution in mind when you do it, it's agitation. It's not just organizing around that cause. 
Um, and so that's, that's a very important portion of organizing that, that is going to take some focus. And so right now, I mean, obviously focus more on agitation than electoral politics and focus more on educating through, through theory and in a revolutionary fashion than between the electoralist options. But make sure, because electoralism is going to come up, that are you prepared with that foresight um, and that you educate people about who Holly is and what the fuck they're going to be up against and what they're dealing with. And just like with agitation, where you should be parlaying that into revolutionary philosophy, parlaying that into theory and how it applies to them, parlaying that into an action plan. You should be doing that when you're educating them about Holly and, and the upcoming Republicans as well. Yeah. And that's, again, it, it is it is all geared around, we have to be fighting on, literally, again, this is back to, a little bit back to what we talked about during the Sleepy Bonus, and what, there's been a lot of discourse, that there was a the really great Pod Damn America episode, if you didn't listen to it, I would highly recommend it, even if that's not a show you normally listen to, um, definitely, definitely recommend their episode that they just did with uh, Brett and Bryn, uh, Brett from RevLeft and Bryn from Beep Beep Lettuce, that they did on What Is To Be Done, um, Bryn, uh, I joined Bryn on a stream, kind of more long form and and talking about that same topic um and then we did our our bonus episode that we just did is is similar around this topic of 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 and there's a lot of talk about tactics right now and and mm-hmm. what what is and what isn't viable and what we should and shouldn't be doing and again we're all talking about what is to be done just in the modern era essentially um yeah and so there's every Which angle we have to be attacking on every yeah. angle we have to be attacking on so again is electoral politics going to go away no so find a way to to don't make it your focus but agit but but make sure you're organizing and you're agitating can speak to it in a meaningful way that that's going to impact people because that's going to be a thing we have to deal with and, and have to be kind of juggling on top of all the other plates that we're juggling um yeah and and, and we've talked we a lot bring about up that. the word agitation because it i don't know kind of popped in my head here talking about holly um it's probably something we don't stress enough. You know, we talk about organizing. We talk about also when you go out and organize, don't expect, you know, unless you're a seasoned organizer to be in there or you're starting a new group, a new cause to fill in an, an empty hole that needs organization. If you're yeah. like going to, to, you know, someone's already doing something, don't go in there and expect to lead. You know, I mean, kind of follow, get in line a little and, bit. And, to um, be, and spoiler alert, almost always there is already somebody organizing. Almost if you always. are the first person to get to a thing, the, I, I mean, kudos to you and great for recognizing it and jumping on it. But it'll, unless it's in your hyper, hyper local area and you know you're the only one out there, there is probably somebody else doing that work also. So make sure you're yeah. not, make now sure that you're doesn't not mean don't, team don't start an organization if you do no. see that need. I mean, do it. It just if means do, don't jump. like go like, you know, this organization that I could join that I don't know anything about, they must suck. So, you know, like, yeah, I mean, figure out who's there and and who you can join and stuff don't 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 expect to like charge ahead sword drawn in in, in the lead of the line we're not um, all lenin yeah we're not all lenin <laughs> there's but one Le- there was even, one lenin one time guys <laughs> even lenin man he you know yeah, yeah uh, he needed a lot of other people around he, him you know as, as much as the srs were misguided and sucked he needed them to organize a lot of the peasants uh-huh. you know i mean you know this it's a group effort it's a, it's a it's mass always movement. a group effort Um, And it needs to rise up from the people. And if you're not organizing with them and you're trying to talk to them and talk down to them, then you're not. I mean, again, you're just not doing the job. We have to figure out what works. And sometimes the lens of talking through electoral politics is what lets you connect with people and recognize what's going on. And if you're able to, I've always said that the most powerful thing we can do. Um, especially as Marxist Leninist is use the predictive power that this, I I am sorry. I I consider that Marxist Leninist superpowers. That is the thing that is so, so, it was so enticing to me was that mm-hmm. it had answers for things. It was able to yeah. accurately predict. It's like, it's like when I play, I play fantasy football. Uh, I want to find the resource that most accurately predicts what's going to happen. It's a completely unpredictable game. It's, it's a random number generator most of the time. But if I find a method of analysis that lets me more accurately predict that, I'm going to follow that. And Marxism Leninism does that for a lot of modern problems. It really yeah. is a valid method of analysis that lets you understand where things are going to go and make accurate predictions about things like coups, about things like color revolutions, about things like what's going to happen with electoral politics. It lets you kind of see that a couple steps ahead of time. And if you keep constantly yelling about it and, and making it see, making it, you know, making your stance known and then being right about it, 
that will draw people to you because people want to be on the side of the person that has the answers. It doesn't necessarily have to be that you have some magical gift. You just have to be, again, showing them, no, 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 this is the analysis I'm using to get there. Maybe it's got answers for other things and then kind of keep extrapolating, keep extrapolating. Yeah, and all that, I mean, even with that that mode of thinking, that's going to help you be right because you. it's not that you're right. It's that you understand what's actually going on. We're still going to be wrong time to time. The biggest thing is, is, you know, teaching this mode of thinking so that other people have it because it will drive them towards education, Mm -hmm. organizing, agitation, and revolution. Um, And also they will see things coming even when you don't, even when you're wrong. And that helps the more a lot. Eyes you you know? have, the more eyes, you, the more hands you have on the ball, the better uh-huh. you're going to do. You're going to people can drop yeah. out, people can fail, people can be wrong, but you still have this massive group using this yeah. proven and method of analysis that's going to help us get there. Yeah, specifically not in a big tent sense. We want to be clear. The more, the more well adjusted hands on the ball, the more focused and educated Correct. hands on the ball. Not Correct. just any hand. We're not just trying to like as many people in the movement as possible, the best no. people in the movement that we can create. And the only way um, you're going to grow that movement is to, is to try yeah. and bring people in and, and make your position, make your position known and make it seem like what you have has answers and has solutions to these problems. Yes. Yes. And again, part of that, and, and it's going to actually help people. I mean, people are going to listen a lot more if they're hungry and you're putting food in their hands is if you go out and, and again, this is the point of agitation. If you go out and you actually solve a problem that they have, well, there it is. Suddenly it looks like you have answers. These um, people so that are stopping evictions, these people that are setting up autonomous zones to keep people from being evicted. You better believe if you stop, if, if I have a group of people that come in and stop me from being evicted, I'm on board with whatever they're all about. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm here. All right. Yeah. Cool. Was, You're the one that came was, to help ears, me. Ears are perked. And that's a big thing right now because of how many people are facing evictions. And you can already see groups that are going in. And when they try to evict people, the just sheer masses are pushing back the cops, like mm-hmm. unevict people, you know, unarrest people. I mean, do these, and again, make sure you have the numbers to do it. Don't just like run in, charge that's in and, the- and, and, you know, uh, get yourself shot, but I mean, video game reference, guys, we're playing Overwatch. Do Don't run in without your tanks. Get your tanks, get your healers, get everyone together, and then go in as a unit. Have some yeah. organization. Yeah, but what I said, what I was trying to say before we got off track is I, I do feel it, it just kind of came up off the spur of the moment here with the talking about Holly, but I do feel like we don't probably stress that enough. We always talk about organizing and educating because those are vital, and we don't talk about agitation separately. It just kind of gets enveloped in organizing um but correct is what that's I'm saying. Valid, and, and that's a valid point that we and, should that and we, we should need do a better to job specify that more. so i will do better on that in the future about Agreed. specifying not just organizing and, ad, and and educating but agitating as well um right. with that said yeah with that said read, we get to read a book haha not yeah. a full bonus episode you only got 20 minutes here <laughs> we go so, the crucial question now now, again, uh, this is leading in after um, just to, just to bring you all back up to speed. This was right after uh, Andrew Johnson went on a drunken Twitter rant about how everyone was being mean to him and wanted to assassinate him like Lincoln. Um, I wish he, I wish any of that was hyperbole. It's not. Um, remember last episode? It was there. But uh, he did that. So then we no, get to I'm the very crucial happy question. It's not hyperbole because Andrew Johnson sucks. Andrew Johnson sucks so bad. The crucial question now was, what will the South do when it comes back to Congress? What will it do to Negroes? And even more important in the minds of many, what will it do to the new industry? The latter question struck deepest, but the former voiced itself loudest. I wonder who's going to voice that question. The masses of the loyal people must be as agreed to arise against this veto of a measure intended as a bulwark against slavery and treason as if they were on the night when the flag of the Union was first hauled down from Fort Sumner, said the Chicago Tribune. Congress immediately hit back with concurrent resolution not to admit Southern congressmen to either house until the status of the Southern states was settled. This had passed the House of Representatives after this dilatory tactics February 20th but was not considered in the Senate until February 23rd after Johnson's speech. It was passed after debate March 2nd, and thus Stevens' original resolution of December 4th was finally confirmed. Here, evidently, there was... Four months, oh, folks. Oh, come on. Are you... It took nine months to get a second check, and it's going to be $600. <laughs> Nothing changed. You have a lot of confidence that we're actually getting that $600, and that it's going to be really soon. I oh, think I it's going to be like 500 bucks in a couple more months. Ah, uh, we'll see. Uh, there, I, something's going to happen this weekend. I have a, I have a, I'll, I'll, I'll stake my claim on that. 
Um, okay. This is where, again, I, this is not the minutia Marxist Leninism would, would answer, by the way. You know, I mean, no, whether no, they no. This give is us purely, I, this is purely worked week. in government, worked in actual but dumb U.S. imperialist government long enough to have some sort of feel for what's going on here. Um, here, evidently, there was small ground for compromise. Either Johnson must bow to the will of the majority of his party in Congress or, led by him, the South would be in the saddle in 1866. Many who had criticized Sumner in December now were on his side. The president and the South, on the other hand, were greatly encouraged. Despite the majority of which uh, majority which the Republicans had in Congress, they could not override a presidential veto with the reaction that Johnson and the South expected at the next election. The Republicans would lose power and the South, united with northern and western democracy, would rule. The Southerners resumed their drive to complete their black codes and their program of reducing the Negro to a servile caste. The Ladies president, and gentlemen, American democracy at work. Uh, du Bois is about to do a very fun turn of phrase that he does. The president, drunk with his new feelings of power, also <laughs> actually drunk on the whiskey, showed his entire misapprehension of the nature of the forces working against him. Congress girded itself for battle. Not mainly because the virtual reenslavement of the Negro aroused them, but because this was the symptom of a reassertion of power on the part of the South, which might affect the debt, the tariff, and the national banking system. The president and his supporters were going to insist upon the full political power of the South, unhampered by a Freedmen's Bureau or by Negro civil rights. Had it not been for the presence of the Negro, this attitude of the South could not have arisen. Never before in modern history had a conquered people treated their conqueror with such consummate arrogance, such consummate arrogance. Apologies. Yeah. The South hid behind the darkness of the colored man and thumbed their nose at the nation. Again, why? What? What imagined power would you? Why are you conceding to these people? What reason do you have? You won. You have the power. Use it. Mm-hmm. I say to Joe Biden and the rest of the people that seem very intent on squandering all the thing that they got from the con- I, and it's I there somewhere. Like, I don't feel like unpacking it I, again. I think I think Joe Biden, the, the, the consummate segregationist himself, Joe Biden is uh, Andrew Johnson. He is. That's what I'm saying. Him, him and Andrew Johnson had the same interest, right? Uh, he wants to rip on you know the the reactionaries all day long for their racism. But he just really wants to do it himself. He wants to be part of the club. And does, that make a, so, Lincoln, does that make Lincoln Obama? I think that's a surprisingly fair assessment anyway. If we're doing um, this, if we're doing this the way we're doing it, I think yeah. if Andrew Johnson's Joe Biden, I think Lincoln's Obama. Yeah. Has exactly just as bad policies, but gave a better veneer mm-hmm. of of yep. decency and, we'll and above it all and all that kind of stuff and unity and all that fun stuff. Oh God! Yep. Did we did and we so stumble much upon as a the thing? entire system is not not entirely toppled? It'll go down in history completely overrated. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, you know, if we don't stopple this this system and the Earth survives oh, yeah. heat death in a hundred years. Obama, Obama will, will be the next, like, yeah, he'll be the next Mount Rushmore type president, the next yeah, on a dollar bill type president. If he would just stop publishing fucking memoirs um, for the Negro, Andrew Johnson did less than nothing when once he realized that the chief beneficiary of labor and economic reform in the South would be Freedman. His inability to picture Negroes as men made him oppose efforts to give them land, oppose national educate, national efforts to educate them, and above all things, oppose their rights to vote. He even went so far as to change plans which he had thought out and announced before he faced the Negro problem. He once said that representation ought to be based on voters, but no sooner did he learn that Thaddeus Stevens advocated the same thing than he became dumb on the subject and had no advice to offer. He had advocated the confiscation of land of the rich white Southerners and penalties on wealth gained through slavery. When he realized the Negroes would be beneficiaries of any such action, he said not another word. He was a thick and thin advocate of universal suffrage in the hands of the laborer and common man until he realized that some people actually thought that Negroes were men. He opposed monopoly on New Jersey railroads until Charles Sumner joined him. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, all of this is... Give we said that now. we're okay. So we're saying Johnson is Biden, but you know what? Johnson is the microcosm of American history. He's the microcosm yeah. of America. This is, this is yeah. this same attitude he just described, which is spot on in Johnson is it's exactly how fucking Reagan got what he wanted. 
it's, he's so it's how, he's for yeah. the grand ideal until that grand ideal actually has to be applied to everybody. Yeah, and then it's oh my god, black people might benefit. I would rather almost die than mm-hmm. let black people live full lives. Yep. The Civil Rights Bill, which was taken up next, made Negroes citizens of the United States and pushed any person who deprived them of civil rights under any state law. They shall have the same right in every state and territory in the United States to make and enforce contracts, to sue, be parties and give evidence, to inherit, purchase, lease, sell, hold and convey real and personal property, and to full and equal benefit of all laws and proceedings for the security of person and property, as is enjoyed by the white citizens and shall be subject to like punishment, pains and penalties, and to none other any law, statute, ordinance, regulation or custom to the contrary notwithstanding. It gave to the district courts of the United States jurisdiction in crimes and offenses against the act, gave the power of arrest to United States marshals and district attorneys, and provided fines and penalties. David Bingham, David Bingham. of Ohio. Oh, okay. All right. Go with David yeah, Bingham. I was gonna take, take it. Yeah, yeah we'll you go saw David. David. You saw David. You got excited. Take David I saw, Bingham. I got, yeah, it's like, it's like it was me. It's um, a guy. It's you. <laughs> they said my name in the thing. He said it was talking to me. Why are we doing Italian? Uh, I have no idea. It's me, David. David. Ah. Ah. Uh, David Bingham of Ohio brought up difficulty. He reminded Congress that the first eight amendments of the Constitution could not be enforced by federal government since there were held to be limitations upon federal power, and that therefore the power to punish offense against life, liberty, and property was one of the reserved powers of the state. Okay, he therefore suggested. Uh, hold on, hold on. I don't like that. It's a me with this, David. Now this is not abracadabra going forever and ever. Amen. Anytime someone tries yes. to invoke the the Constitution as like some immutable rule that is not somehow subject to change, abracadabra forever and ever. Amen. Yes, abracadabra forever and ever. Amen. Uh, he therefore suggested a constitutional amendment which would punish all violations of the Bill of Rights by state officers. He reminded the House that even when property had been taken by the states without due process of the law, there was no remedy in federal courts, and that this had been affirmed in recent case in Maryland. His proposal went to the Committee of 15. The Civil Rights I Bill the passed the Senate. Yeah. I want another Committee of 15. I just want, I just want, get, I just want 15 some- people that are like, no, we're doing stuff. You abolish everything except the committee of 15. That's <laughs> Hold on. We're doing tanky shit again. <laughs> yeah. The civil rights bill passed the Senate was amended in the house and was agreed to by both houses. March 14th, 1866, the debate on the civil rights bill and Freeman's bureau bill made it clear that the emancipation of slaves meant increased representation in Congress and an electoral college. Whenever the Southern states were readmitted, and that this increase in power would take place whether the Negroes were enfranchised or not. Moreover, the Civil Rights Act may be repealed. The United States might be made to pay all or a part of the Confederate debt, and Congress might repudiate the debt. The debate, therefore, on the Civil Rights Bill made the necessity of a constitutional amendment clear. On March 27th, President Johnson vetoed the Civil Rights Bill with curious logic. He feared that under this bill, Chinese Indian and a slur for Romani people, as well as Negroes, might be made citizens. He declared that a citizen of the United States would not necessarily be a citizen of the state. <laughs> I love that. Oh, this might get in the way of my racism. So, um, look, other Loophole. racism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he declared that a citizen of the United States would not necessarily be a citizen of a state. He again questioned whether it was good policy to act on citizenship of Negroes since 11 of the 36 states were unrepresented. Four million of them have just emerged from slavery into freedom. Can it be reasonably supposed that they possess the requisite qualifications to entitle them to all the privileges and qualities of citizens of the United States? What qualifications do poor whites have to show to be citizens of the United States? What qualifications does anybody else ever have Mm -hmm. to show to be citizens yep. of the United States. Yep. Why? There are none. Why is this even a train of thought? Why is there this even none. an Unless argument? you were born in another country, then you have to take a yeah, more and more ridiculous... Yeah, then you have to jump to a bunch of hoops, but that's racism because you're not from here. Yeah, it's... <laughs> These um, people are all from here! <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's uh, just infuriating. One wonders what Andrew Johnson expected the Negroes to be. 
They were not to be citizens. They were not to be voters. And yet he repeatedly assured them that they were free. He went on with another strange argument, declaring that the bill discriminated against large numbers of intelligent, worthy, and patriotic foreigners and in favor of the Negro to whom, after long years of bondage, the avenues of freedom and opportunity have just now been suddenly opened. Thus, he thought the Negroes less familiar with the character of American institutions than foreigners, and yet foreigners must wait five years for naturalization and be of good moral character. I, I just this admission, but, like, oh yeah. But, by the way, these people have to wait five years to be humans. Um, you didn't move here and get stuck with these arbitrary rules, but because of them, you shouldn't get to be people either. But you're free. It's, it's pulling the ladder up. It's just the cla- it's yeah. the thing they've done since the dawn of it's the dawn of time it's, in this country. It's absolutely, obviously bullshitting and knowing it. They're just trying to spin like something that mm-hmm. sounds sort of logical that they can yep. use to. Th- it's their new race science. We, we talked about it very early on. How yep. how much race science was involved in the beginning of this book? Where we're trying to yes. scientifically prove that Negroes weren't people, and now that that's not a, a thing we can lean on as much mm-hmm. anymore. Now we got to go another route. It's just constantly Absolutely. trying to retriangulate and re recalibrate to make it sound appealing. Mm-hmm. He said that if Congress could give equal civil rights enumerated to the Negroes, it could also give them the right to vote and the right to hold office. He objected to state officers being liable to arrest for discriminating against Negroes. He objected to the interference for Congress with the judiciary and assuming jurisdiction of subjects which had always been treated by state courts. Again, he returned to his astonishing economics. Oh, good. (laughs) Yeah. The white race and the black race of the South have hitherto lived together under the relation of master and slave, capital owning labor. Now, suddenly, that relation has changed. And as to ownership, capital and labor are divorced. They stand. Are we talking about we're 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 talking a lot about capital and labor and capital relations? And I I feel okay. so some of that is is like some of these guys, you know, had communications with with marks we found out early in the book and some of that is it seems more like you know mark was focused marks was focused on these things but just because the other aloof philosophers weren't and marks was we maybe underestimate how common these terms were generally in in um colloquial conversations at the time i mean yeah we're talking about class relations here people like this is this is exactly the kind of shit you'd get out of out of capital like this is yeah. this is pretty ridiculous they're yeah, using the terminology they're Johnson using the words. is not like the shining light of marxism so i feel like um, exactly that's what i'm saying this is Everyone just more it. yeah it's more colloquial than you think um or at least was yep they stand now each master of itself in this new relation one being necessary to the other there will be a new adjustment which both are deeply interested in making harmonious each has equal power in settling the terms and if left to the laws that regulate capital and labor it is confidently believed that they will satisfactorily work out the problem ah the free market will decide the free market will decide david the free market will decide The, the invisible hand will set you free my friend um no one's forcing them to be slaves <laughs> capital it is true has more intelligence but labor is never so ignorant as to not understand its own interest not to know its own value and not to see that capital must pay that value capital has more intelligence yeah that, elon musk has that tattooed on his ass he probably does he probably does he probably he has it tattooed twice home. once on each cheek um oh my god this bill frustrates this adjustment. It intervenes between capital and labor and attempts to settle questions of political economy through the agency of numerous officials whose interest it will be the foment discord between two races. For as the breach widens, their employment will continue, and when it is closed, their occupation will terminate. He declared that this law establishes for the security of the colored race safeguards, which go infinitely beyond any general government have ever provided for the white race and therefore discriminates against the white race. Folks, we, we have go. reverse racism. We hit we reverse racism. That's right. If we you recognize systems are unequal and drive for their equality, rather than letting them be unequal to their own devices and saying it's equal on paper, I'm sorry, you're being reverse racist. He declared the bill That's- a step toward concentrating all legislative power in the national government, something that the, the conservative party in this country would never do. 
ever. <laughs> that would be that would be horrible. A perfect equality of the white and colored races is an attempt to be fixed by federal law in every state of the union over the vast field of state jurisdiction covered by the enumerated rights. In no one of these can any state ever exercise any power of discrimination between the different races. Yeah, that sounds okay. That sounds fine. Why? Uh, he then fetched up his heavy artillery of social equality to stampede the prejudice. We well, you know the social equality is that buzzword they use for how mm-hmm. dare you want black people to be the same. You want them yes. to be able to, to marry your women. Oh, no. In the exercise of state policy over matters exclusively affecting the people of each state, it has frequently been thought expedient to discriminate between the two races. Um, I, Doubt. Press X to doubt. No. 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 By the statutes of some of the states, northern as well as southern, it is enacted, for instance, that white people, white persons shall not intermarry with a Negro or a mulatto. Oh, miscegenation. It's back. It's back, gang. We hit the miscegenation parts again. While he did not believe that this particular bill would annul state laws in regard to marriage, nevertheless, if Congress had the power to provide that there should be no discrimination in the matters enumerated in the bill, then it could pass a law repealing the laws of the states in regard to marriage. Yeah, we oh, no. we, we did that. Folks, this this could slippery slope into miscegenation. Oh, you could, could oh my god. It could happen to you. Then suddenly all your <laughs> kids are going to be trans and I don't I don't I don't know what what's next. It's just the slippery slope, god. He continued Hitherto, every subject embraced in the enumeration of rights contained in this bill has been considered as exclusively belonging to the states. They all relate to internal police and economy of the respective states. If it can be granted that Congress can repeal all state laws discriminating between whites and blacks in the subjects covered by this bill, why it may be asked, may not Congress repeal in the same way all state laws discriminating between the two races on the subject of suffrage and office? Yes. Yes, they can. Um, yeah. Speaking why? of the general. <laughs> yeah. What, why? Just why? The thing your slippery slope is afraid of is actually a good thing. Is actually just the thing we actually want. Speaking of the general yeah. effect of the bill, he declared it interfered with municipal legislation of the states with the relations existing between a state and its citizens or between inhabitants of the same state and absorption of the assumption of power by the general government, which, if acquiesced in, must sap and destroy our federal system of limited powers and break down the barriers which preserve the rights of the states. Like, which rights again? Which rights are we talking about when we talk about states' rights? Why is it always <laughs> the racist ones? Why is that the only one you can ever come up with is the racist? Yeah, ones. you know, we do. We do actually kind of oversimplify this because we say it's only the slavery right. And we forget. I mean, what about the black codes and the anti-miscegenation laws? Nathan? You did a me. You did one of me. Th- I see what happens when you're on the other side of it, because I thought, you, aha, all right. All right. I see what you did there. <laughs> It is another step or rather stride towards centralization and the concentration of all legislative power in the national government. Guys, this is some authoritarian ass shit right here. And we know that we wouldn't stand for some authoritarian ass shit in this country. No, 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 no. The states must have their right. The the horizontal, make it horizontal, flatten this out. Let's make sure that we're not we're not enforcing our will to ensure that people have rights after a revolution. We cannot tread on you because you doodled a snake. On a dirty Kleenex. I'm, I'm treading all over your shit. The president's veto of the civil rights bill offended the nation. I to see the nation had some shit going for it. Senator Stewart declared that the president had promised not to veto the bill. For that reason, the senator had voted to sustain the veto of the Freedmen's Bureau bill. Senator Trumbull had publicly announced that the president would not veto the civil rights bill. Henry Ward Beecher had urged him to sign it. Even in the president's cabinet, none of the members except Stewart and Wells agreed with Johnson. Seward, low key behind Seward. the scenes, biggest asshole in this whole story so far. Yeah, the guy just the yes. guy just constantly, constantly the is trying to undermine of, shit. In 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 a systemic issue of a horrible system with a million villains, the top secret uber villain you don't know about. Is Seward. William A. Seward, yes. Uh, the Rahm Emanuel of this administration, just really doing some great mm, behind the scenes. I, uh, Rahm Emanuel is a pile of human garbage yes. who should be ridiculed and then burned at the stake and then have his ashes ridiculed. I still think Seward is so bad that it's unfair yeah. to compare Rahm to him. Touche. Touche. Rahm, you're one step above Seward. Take there that one go. with you. Enjoy your company. Nobody can yet see the end. Congress will not yield. The presidency, the president is angry and brutal. Seward is the Marplot. 
David, look up what Marplot means. Yes. In the yes. cabinet on the question of the last veto, there were four against it, three for it. So even there, among his immediate advisors, the president is left in a minority. Stanton reviewed at length the bill, section by section, in the cabinet and pronounced it an excellent and safe bill every way from beginning to end. But the veto message was already prepared an hour later and was sent to Congress. What's a Marplot? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so first off, a Marplot is an officious meddler whose interference compromises success. Okay, so guys, he's, bring back Marplot. We need to bring back Marplot yeah. right now. Yeah, it's it's like it's not a feature or it's not a bug. It's a feature. It's like it's yes. not a Marplot. It's our intent. You know, I mean, that, that's, <laughs> that's the political equivalent. Um, but uh, secondarily, I love how all of this. And again, I mean, obviously, it's all bullshit. But I love all of this argument is like, what about big government stepping over its God given powers from the Constitution and stepping over states rights? And yet the argument of this, it, you know, because the, the idea of that is like, oh, that's not democratic. And yet the argument of this is for a president to veto it to take away the majority. Yeah. So to take away the thing that the majority of the people want. And that is yeah, popular with so, uh, it's. To, to stomp all over the congressmen elected by each state deciding to do things. Yeah, it's it's. <sighs> but here we are. The time here for the final are. test between Johnson and Congress had come. There ensued some sharp political maneuvering. Morgan, Wiley and Stewart were won over to the majority in Stockton. A Johnson man from New Jersey was unseated on a technicality. Thus, on April 6th and 9th, Congress overrode the veto. The civil rights bill became law and Johnson faced a Congress able to work its will. Big turning point here. They, yeah. the, the Johnson has, the president has said, I don't want this. And Congress has said, go fuck yourself. So things are working sort of as intended. There's, there's a lot of times in this book, we've been like, uh Oh, here's the turn. I can't keep going up. We know how this turned out, but there were still a lot of good forward steps kind of in this tumultuous middle before the whole collapse came. Um, I would like to see and, the John. I would like to see the Steven Spielberg movie about overriding that veto because I feel like it'd be more fun than the one that he made <laughs> on the Fourteenth Amendment. Um, but then he wouldn't get to have Daniel Day Lewis as Lincoln. He'd need some yeah. weird drunkard playing, uh, playing Johnson. Uh, wait, maybe, Johnson, maybe yeah. jo- wait, no. Ha- this is his role. This is where we get him his next Oscar. Have Daniel Day Lewis come back and just play Johnson. Act like the other one never happened. Just Daniel Day Lewis as Johnson. Go. Keep all the other casting the same. Make another movie. There you go. Otherwise, we could like look up, see if Johnson was some kind of womanizer, and we could just car- get Charlie Sheen to act as himself. <laughs> God damn it. There was one matter besides amending the Constitution on which Congress might take significant action. According to the current American creed, full protection of a citizen could only be accomplished by possession of the right to vote. This was not wholly true even in the North and with the ballot in the hands of white men. Nevertheless, it still retained a great element of truth for only with universal suffrage could the mass of workers begin the economic revolution, which would eventually emancipate them. All right. Workers emancipating themselves through economic revolution. All right. All right. Like it. Like it. They would have to use their ballot at first in conjunction with the petty bourgeois. He just used petty bourgeois. Ooh. Well, this isn't a quote. This is Du Bois. He, he, yeah, I, I don't think, no, I, know, I don't think but I don't know has, if he's brought up, but I don't know if he's brought up specifically the petty bourgeois yet. This is, all right. I don't, I don't think he has, but, but Du Bois knows his, his stuff there. He so, knows yeah. his stuff. He knows his stuff. That is in conjunction yeah. with the small property holder who was being hard pressed by the new concentrated capital of industry in conjunction with the small Western farmer who was pushed to the wall by the railway and land monopoly. But armed with the ballot, this preliminary fight against the power of capital would clear the way for the final fight, which would make democracy real among the workers. All right, now we, I want to stop there. Mm-hmm. I I want to stop there, um, not because I don't want to read anymore, um, but because I really want to unpack that. There is a okay. lot going on there. I want to read that one more time, and then I really want to talk about that paragraph. Okay. There was one matter besides amending the Constitution on which Congress might take significant action. According to the current American creed, full protection of a citizen could only be accomplished by possession of the right to vote. This was not wholly true, even in the North, and with the ballot in the hands of the white men. Nevertheless, it still retained a great element of truth, for only with universal suffrage could the mass of workers begin that economic revolution, which would eventually emancipate them. 
They would have to use their ballot at first in conjunction with the petty bourgeois, that is in conjunction with the small property holder, who was being hard-pressed by the new concentrated capital of industry. In conjunction with the Western small Western farmer who was pushed to the wall by the railway and land monopoly, but armed with the ballot, this preliminary fight against the power of capital would clear the way for the final fight, which would make democracy real among the workers. That so, sounds a lot like stuff we've been talking about. Yeah, um, that's so when he's talking about that, he's talking about the first stage in a two stage revolution, which was the original kind of orthodox Marxist plan before, you know, before agitation and, and, and the czar being a, a douchebag over in Russia kind of became a thing and people started going, no, we'll just we'll adapt to our conditions. And I mean, still, there's been two stage revolutions. I mean, even the original Russian revolution at 1905 and then in 1917, there was a February and the October. Um, but it wasn't like the played out, you know, two revolutions first year. And it did you, involve, like, it did involve thing. electing. It did involve using your, yeah. your, your voting rights to vote in people yeah. that, that agitated and not a- yeah. agitate is different in that phrase. I don't want to use that. I don't want to interchange those. No, 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 no. Again, we, yeah, we just brought up the word and said, we've got to recognize it more. And now we don't want to like overuse it just, exactly. just because it's rolling off the tongue. Um, exactly. But, but when you're but, electing people that are, are, are yeah. when you're using your, your elective franchise, to sure. actively push mm-hmm. to- with the, with the stated goal of pushing towards something revolutionary, and again, electing people yes. that do support it. If I had a Thaddeus Stevens, I could elect right now. I would elect him whole hog because I fully believe he would be supporting my interests. Yes, and the interest of pushing towards a revolutionary uh, emancipation of of yes. my fellow man. That yeah. that that does change their conditions compared to what we've talked about recently with our conditions. Right. Right. Um, so there, yeah, I mean, there's a difference because you're talking about, there's an actual party wanting to, you know, redistribute land away from plantation, you know, uh, at least certain people in the party away from plantation owners and sure civil rights and, and stand with, you know, the abolitionists and stuff like that. Right. There's an actual party doing that. And when you have that option and you do not have mass organization, because let's face it you're at the tail end of a civil war and everybody's exhausted of fighting. They've been through trauma. They're trying to get their life together. They're trying to get together economically and put food on the table. Um, And industry is just now booming. So it's at a very like peak of power, not a peak of weakness. Um, That point. So again, you know, I mean, we were just like doing allegories with, with the Russian revolution, which is already overplayed too much. And we need to worry about here. And, Du Bois, who knows here, was talking yeah. about here, but he was also talking about here in a very specific time frame, right? Like right exactly. now, we didn't just come off the Civil War. Right now, Democrats aren't putting up people like Thaddeus Stevens and Charles Sumner to Congress, you know, um, and and right now, you know, again, <laughs> there's still a hell of a lot more that needs to be done for for black emancipation but the the next abolition history towards black emancipation is is prison abolition right and there's not a a party that has a bunch of prison abolitionists in it not yet there just isn't and so that elective franchise is not i mean it's not like we shouldn't defend people's right to vote and and work against you know gerrymandering and and voter suppression and stuff like that um but we don't have the same kind of elective opportunity. And so that argument applied then, but it doesn't apply the same way today. It was a historic nugget. And like that's, it was that's why I wanted time. to unpack it because if you're just yeah. reading those words devoid from their yeah. context, it sounds a lot like you're arguing for straight up the elective branch. You're, you're going to elect your elect way out them of this. And push them left. Your, and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, but again, we can fight or something. Yeah, exactly. But it sounds that that's that's the whole point. Again, that that is, I think, the only advantage to uh, having to listen to us read this book as opposed to listening to a professional read this book is yeah. to stop and unpack this kind of stuff. Because, again, that paragraph sure. in and of itself, if you were trying to if you were trying to make Du Bois out to be an elect, uh, uh, you know, an electoral politics kind of guy, you could take that paragraph. You could copy paste it. You could throw it up on Twitter and and, and go, ha ha, look, he thinks this. But it's important yeah, again, to recognize exactly what- that. 
this is exactly what revisionism is. I mean, from modern American revisionism of just about any revolutionary character we have down to down to MLK, let alone the more radical ones, you know, in the Black Panther Party and, and things like that. Um, back to Bernstein in, in Germany, you know, it's it's taking people's own words and stripping them of context around them um, or, you know, I mean, patching them together in a way to suit your argument. And it's not at all what that person meant. Um, and it's not, or not at all applicable. And so that's something that, yeah, I mean, read this book, everybody read this book, but someone could be like, Oh, look, Du Bois said this. And the first thing should be like, well, was that in his talent, the 10th days? And then it was like, <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was black reconstruction in America. It's like, okay, well let's dive in and see what he meant about that. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling we're going to get a lot more into what he meant about that. Um, but we are going to be getting into a lot more of what he meant about that next episode on Mark's Madness. <laughs> um, all right. So yeah, we're keeping our pace. We're going good. Um, that being said, um, let's say, uh, you weren't one of the people that emailed us. I don't know if anyone's going to email us and, and point out what we were wrong about the chaplain. That's a, that, I'm calling that, that's an us uh correction yeah but let's say there is something we get wrong and this is something we haven't been getting as much of lately so either we're getting more stuff right which i would love or y'all just forgot that you could tell us we're wrong um if you think we are wrong we've or corrected some- things a lot we correct things a we lot used because to, instead of a current events we used to open with the corrections we were that bad <laughs> It, it is again we are humans we are this is a reading group we're saying stuff mm-hmm. off the dome this is not you know it, it, every minute of this is not researched and written out it's just it's just supposed to kind of be us feeling our way through it um yeah. and and part of that is we will make mistakes if we make a mistake please never hesitate to reach out to us marksmadnesspod at gmail.com um let us know even if it's just even if it's not something you have a hard concrete thing if you just hey i i have this different feeling on it here's what it is um we are always want to hear that we always want to uh it, you know internalize that and see if maybe there's a different way we can be looking at this, a different way we could be reading this. Um, yeah, because that could that's tell us that could impactful. tell us a lot of things. It could tell us we're wrong. It could tell us we need to read something else after this book that has that perspective from a philosophical standpoint. And then when we give the context, it could tell us we're presenting something in in a way that's not leading people. Because again, the the whole point we talk about it this all the time, right? We don't care about being right. It's not about being the most right, right? Like we no. believe this is right. This is why we follow this. But we care about the outcome, the real world outcome, right? We sit here and if we're teaching you like – again, you know, if I'm – there's a hundred propaganda things in uh, going on about like say China, right? Mm-hmm. And I say all a hundred are wrong and I'm wrong. Two of them are right. 98 are wrong, right? I don't give a shit. I give a shit about the outcome of me educating people about the ones that are wrong and yeah. not, not trying to do some nuance. Well, this is this, this, you know, again. So I, I mean, of course, you know, no education, no right to speak, but nonetheless, there's a reason we speak. There's a thing we want. And so if we're saying something here and the ideas that are getting absorbed are not the ideas we're trying to present, then we need to have a little perspective on how we're saying it or what we're saying. And so there could be a correction that way. So, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why you can reach out to us and, and it's just going to make the podcast better and it's going to make it better for you because even if it comes down to a little bit of feedback for one person, um, given this is, you know, kind of a, 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 sort of mass thing or who i'm doing a podcast we'd just be like walking up to people and saying things um <laughs> for an hour <laughs> yeah. david that's a hostage that's not walking up, that's a hostage situation is what you just described <laughs> but anyway um you know i mean given this is a big presentation that that a lot of people listen to um so a lot of these corrections help everyone even if it's something that just helps you if it helps somebody you're part of the people we're trying to reach let us know Exactly. And the other way you can let us know is you can hit us up on Twitter. DMs are open. We are very uh, easy to find there at Mark's Madness Pod on Twitter. Um, put it on the timeline, put it in the DMs, wherever you're more comfortable telling us, telling us a correction or something you, you think. We're, we're always there and we love interacting with you guys on there. Um, last but not least, you can join Discord and join in, um, the Discord that we share. Um, currently we are in Dumb and Awful's Discord server. The link to it should be in our Twitter bio. If it's not, email us or DM us for it. We'll get you a link every time. Um, but that is just a place that is a much more casual, that, that is the community building spot. Um, if you want to join people that listen to this show or listen to other leftist podcasts and just have somewhere you can talk or, or, or even just lurk and listen and, and kind of hear other opinions and, and see how other people go about it day to day, 
that is where we do that. We play Final Fantasy. We play Overwatch. We just, we just, we just chill out. We hang out. We, we talk about stuff. We vent. Um, it's a good place to be. And I would highly recommend joining if you haven't already. It's a, it's a, it's a good community. Um, that being said, uh, David, I think it's disclaimer time. I think I think there was okay. a disclaimer on forty one, probably not one on forty two. I'm th- I'm thinking forty three yeah. needs a disclaimer. Disclaim me. Yeah. So I mean, like I just said, you know, the whole point of what we're doing is is we care about the real world impact of of everything we're doing and saying on here. And part of that real world impact is getting you out there, getting you to do the work, getting you to do the organizing, uh, the educating, and the since we brought it up today, agitating. Um, so always remember that it, praxis is what you go out there, what you do, it's any theory in action, any, I think the technical definition is ideology in action. So, but we don't care about that. We care about the theory and we don't care if it's like religious praxis. Um, so anyway, um, theory is without theory, praxis is rudderless. It's, it's an action. It can be misguided. It can take you a lot of bad directions. Um, and without praxis, theory is completely useless. Um, praxis is theory in action and they're tied at the hip. Amen. Uh, that being said, this has been Mark's Madness. We will talk to you all next week. My name is Nathan. My name's David. Bye. Bye.